0: Welcome back to the season finale of Stacking Denny's for the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season. Joey Logano in victory lane at Phoenix Raceway. The 2022 NASCAR Cup Series champion, Joey Logano, two time champion. The 22 wins in 22 from the pole with a little bit of, I wouldn't want to say help, but you know, Ryan Blaney didn't race him too hard there in the final, final laps there when Ross Chastain was closing in from third. Overall, though, 28% of people said that Phoenix was a good race, the lowest championship race in Jeff Gluck's poll. Previous low low was Homestead 2019, where it was 30%. And kind of a flip over these last two, final two races of the season. You know, um, everyone expected Martinsville to be a dud. A lot of people expected Phoenix to be very competitive. You know, these four guys that were very good um, the, the four best, basically the four best drivers all season made it to the final four in terms of average finish. We expected a very competitive race. Facts of the matter is Joey Logano, Penske Racing just unloaded with absolute rocket ships, just like they did in the spring. And really, there, it was Joey Logano's race from the beginning to the end. There was really no point in that race that, that Logano did not have full control and, and, and didn't look like he was going to win. But, um, you know, I remember tweeting, tweeting during it. It it took me a while. I think it was about a hundred laps in before I finally got to, to start watching it. And I was like, this, this race is a snoozer. It's like, I haven't watched it, but it seems like a damn snoozer. And, and it really was the only, the only, somewhat saving grace was was a restart there where where chase elliott i know his fans won't admit this but chase elliott and he won't admit it but uh chase elliott made a mistake and of course ross chastain was there making a move and and chase elliott got spun and ruined his day he ended up finished 28th he was uh two laps down by the end of it but you know without that it was it pretty much dud of a championship race in the in the the ratings showed it. You know, Adam Stern tweeted out that this race did worse numbers than last year. And, you know, Nick, we talked about it last week on on Stacking Denny's that we thought numbers would be up this week due to the Ross Chastain, Martinsville, um, wall riding way he got in. And, and I think that the, the potential was there for that to happen. But at the same time, um, when you have that – bad of a championship race um unfortunately people just are going to tune out and even your diehard fans are going to do it but Joey Logano and Victory Lane like I said two-time NASCAR Cup Series champion now what did you think of that race and overall the weekend at um at Phoenix yeah uh
1: well I definitely thought it was a snoozer for the most part um It just—it wasn't interesting at all. I mean, I guess there was a little bit of intrigue around, like when pit stops came up. You know, who would gain positions, who would lose positions. There was a point where I guess Joey Logano was running third, somebody else was running fifth, and then I think the other two guys are running seventh and eighth, something like that. Uh, I think that's about as close as the championship four got. All race was at that point, you know, after one of the pit sequences. Uh, They were all running within five spots of each other. And, you know, I guess it was okay. Like, you could see Christopher Bell making moves later in a run. He certainly was faster. So was Ross Chastain than Logano. But uh, just overall, it was just kind of a bland race. And, you know, I think we've in some ways come to expect that from championship races just because it seems like all the other cars are just kind of checked out. But in this yep. case, it was even worse, just because of what we've seen this year with shorter, flat tracks, uh, where it's been so difficult to pass, and where just track position matters so much. There just wasn't really any passing at all. Uh, there was there was some, but it was relatively minimal. So, just overall, not a you know not a great, I would say, race. And because it was so, and so, I do agree with the the fan poll that only twenty something percent said it was a good race. And uh, unfortunately for me, that means, you know, while we just came off of that crazy Ross Chastain Martinsville thing and, and we were talking about best season ever, this put it second best season ever behind 2011 still. how I mean, how can you beat a tied championship at the end where one driver came through the field three times to win the race and the guy you needed to beat finished second And just so much excitement. Uh, Plus that whole year just had crazy amounts of excitement. Uh, Some of the closest finishes, the most closest finishes, I think, uh, like in less than one-tenth of a second apart in in any year of recorded history, plus that that crazy ending between Stewart and Edwards. I think that one certainly takes the cake over this one after the Phoenix race. But still an awesome year overall. Uh, Just think, unfortunately, that that race put a little bit of a
0: damper on it hmm. I'm still on board with I, I'm still of, of the opinion that this is the best season ever. And and I, I just think it's there were so many more highs during this season than there were during 2011. I I do think obviously the finale of 2011 is you cannot be beat like that pretty much can't be beat. Um, I'm still Trevor on board Bain winning the
1: Daytona 500. Jimmy Johnson winning the closest race of all time. Uh, 2011 was insane.
0: Yeah, I, and maybe it's recency bias here, but I just I, I enjoyed this season a little bit more. Um, very thin thin margin though, and it, it's the worst worst thing that could have happened was this race, this finale being so bad because it, you know, it it opened up obviously. Like I'm not going to sit here and disagree. I can't make any great point to disagree with you that. 2011 wasn't better than this season i think it's just like a coin flip you know what i mean
1: yeah yeah i think it just comes to your personal preference i mean Mm -hmm. just a couple more stats from 2011 seven races were decided by less than 0.06 seconds seven races by less than 0.06 obviously there were five first-time winners that year as well with david reagan uh, paul menard Uh, As we said, Trevor Bain, I think we had one of the road course ringers in there win a race. Marcus Ambrose got his first one and Regan Smith at the Southern 500. Uh, Paul Menard, of course, winning at the Brickyard 400, holding off Jeff Gordon in a fuel mileage for Menard with Jeff Gordon charging ahead with fresh fuel um, and was able to hold him off. I mean, 2011 was just absolutely bonkers. Tony Stewart had no wins the whole regular season and then wins five of the ten playoff races. Just an insane year. But, uh, no, this year was incredible as well. Uh, Don't get me wrong. We're – you know, like you said, you prefer that one. I prefer 2011. We're kind of splitting hairs here because both were great seasons. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. I just think
1: uh, there was enough downs, I think, in this season that – 2011 was pushed over. If you think of some of the downs, you know, the injuries, uh, you think of the cars catching on fire. You think of the tire issues, the loose wheels, the wheels falling off. Uh, obviously some of the really bad racing at Martinsville and the first Martinsville race, uh, a couple other kind of bad races, boring races, some, some questionable decisions by NASCAR. Those things, some of those things happen every year, but some of those things were unique to this year as well. So, um, Overall, great year, but I'm still going to go with 2011 as my number one.
0: Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the fire thing, and and I I retweeted something about that a couple days ago. Um, how it seemed to it, someone actually went through and and made a chart of the fires this year, and I think all but one were Fords. Mm-hmm. So you know, just something um, to keep in mind there. But uh, as far as you know, Joey Logano winning his second championship. Clearly the least impressive resume of the four, but and I've and I got into some Twitter back and forth between this about deserving. Um, I still think Joey Logano is completely deserving of a championship. Like all of these guys had great seasons. Was his statistically probably the worst? Yes, but does that mean that he was not deserving of a championship? Absolutely not. Logano still had a four win season. Like he still grabbed four wins this year. He still had a great year. So I'm not going to sit here and say that Joey Logano didn't deserve to win the championship, that this format was bullshit. I will note though, that I think this is the third or fourth time, like in five or six, I should have, I should have got this stat, uh, locked down before I started mentioning it, but basically the guy that locked in. In the, after the first round of or the first race of the round of eight has gone on to win the championship. I th- I think it's like three of the last five times or something like that, uh, including the last time Logano did it. So, um but like I said, like you know, two time champion. I know you probably thought initially like just being a one time champion that guarantees him into the Hall of Fame. Obviously, two times. I know you don't like the guy, but he's he's a he's yep. a surefire Hall of Absolutely. Famer at this point. Hundred percent agree. With and, right now, yeah. And um, especially with the you know the way that uh, that NASCAR does the Hall of Fame, but when you look at you know just the stats, and I kind of tweeted these you know uh, the other day. Actually, miles completed. Logano was that's the only statistic that he would led all the championship guys in this season. Was miles completed? Michael McDowell led the way. That uh, Eric Jones was second. Joey Logano third. But laps led. Logano was second to Elliott. Uh, Average running position, Logano was third to Elliott and uh, Blaney was second. So, you know, this kind of thought that Logano was – Way behind all these guys is really kind of unfounded because, um, the stats just don't show it. Yes, there are certain statistics that he lacks quite a bit in average green flag speed rank. Uh, Logano was eighth, but he was still, he was not like significantly further down. His average rank, Blaney had an average rank of 7.8. Uh, Logano was 9.2. So it's not like we're talking huge differences here. Average driver rating, uh, Logano sixth. Chase Elliott was first. Yes, Chase, Chase Elliott had the best resume. I'm not going to sit here and say he didn't, but Logano was more than deserving got four wins uh and and the i thought the coolest part was was um how he got the very first win in the new car and the last win of the season um and and you know got that championship for penske i did so so what did you think there at the end of the end of the race it looked like ryan blaney had a much better car than than logano and he and you know played wingman i you know there's rumors that uh people heard it over the radio that logano had orders to to sit there and just watch logano win which i understand i mean Ch- uh chastain was closing actually at a pretty good pace there at the end of that race you know i, I think over the last 10 laps he, he knocked off a second and a half you don't sit there and allow that to happen what i don't like about it and I, and I responded to Blaney's tweet about it because he tweeted like second and no, just mm-hmm. didn't have the car yeah. to get up there for the lead. Bullshit. You had the car. You, you had the car to get up there. You just played the good teammate. So fucking own it. Anytime people don't own it, it's, it's just like Chase Elliott and his comments about the whole wreck, um, with Chastain. Just own it. You made a mistake or you, or you, 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 sp- you specifically did something or intentionally did something. Like, Oh, that's that's the thing that pisses me off about these drivers is when they sit there and blatantly lie about that, and nobody calls them out on their bullshit. I need I need to be I need to get media passes every single week, and I'll start calling people out on their bullshit. I'm sure it'll last like three weeks. I'll just get kicked out of, of, <laughs> of whatever race, and they're like, okay, you can't come back. But so I, I, it's like just fucking be truthful. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm so sick yep. of these guys, um, being like this, but. You know what? Do you, what do you think of the whole Blaney thing there at the end of the? Yeah, of the I mean,
1: obviously, he kind of has to say that because he can't just be like, "Well, the team told me to park it behind Logano," and you know, I mean, he could, but then he'd be in shit hot water with his own team. So it's one of those things right. where every driver is going to say what Blaney said, unfortunately, uh, with maybe the rare exception of Kyle Busch, uh, <laughs> but uh, but. You know, that's maybe why Kyle Busch isn't returning to JGR. Part of that. I mean, obviously, a lot of it was sponsorship and stuff as well. But um, Blaney was uh, – and that's the thing with that little, like, tweet that he sent out where oh, we didn't, you know, whatever, have what it took or whatever it was. Um, he was pissed in his post-race interview on Peacock. You know, so the post-race coverage uh, transitions over to Peacock for for continued coverage. He was pissed. And you could tell he was pissed. And obviously, he was pissed because, well, team orders. Um, You know, he was told to play wingman, and and that's why he was mad because he knew he could have won that race. So, uh, just one of those things where Blaney was being the good teammate. I, I secretly was hoping that they'd pull like a Ferrari on the last little corner there and just Joey would, you know, ease up off the throttle just enough to let Blaney take the win. Because Joey still had a second and a half to back to Chastain, so they probably could have worked it out where Joey uh, let Blaney by for the win. But uh, it, I guess better safe than sorry. When you're when you're in Logano's position, you don't want to take that chance. So, uh, yeah, Blaney's kind of you know I do my luck rankings for NFL. Blaney's kind of like Kyle Bush was, like we talked about I think a week or two ago in the luck rankings, down low in the luck rankings has had a lot of bad luck uh, as far as. Grabbing the win. He has zero wins. and His, his win expectation this year was probably double-digit win expectation. Um, you know, or not double-digit, uh, multiple win expectation. Two or more wins, <laughs> I would say. Uh, obviously, getting blocked by his own teammate at the Daytona 500. You know, he's pushing him, and then when he went to go for the win, he ended up getting blocked into the wall. And then this thing here with Legano uh, had a couple other shots at winning, a, specifically one road course, I remember, and then uh, the Indy one. And then, obviously, had maybe arguably the best car at the first Phoenix race, should have won possibly both Phoenix races this year. So just some hard luck there for Ryan Blaney. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. Obviously, that tweet was was very PR'd. Very, uh, you know, oh, we didn't have enough for the win. Yes, you did. You just didn't have. I liked how somebody replied that was like didn't have enough what authority or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's pretty funny so you know maybe he wasn't lying maybe that was what he didn't have enough of mm-hmm.
0: uh other no other notables in this race chase briscoe ended up fourth he had a solid race all all he started third finished third in stage one fourth and stage two they're late i thought he was leading there late i thought he was going to take it and you know that's kind of noteworthy i think going into 2023 because if we learned anything when these Uh, when NASCAR came back to these tracks for second races this year, the same guys were fast. Like we did not see major differences in these races outside of when, um, what was it? RFK made gains on road courses. Other than that, we basically saw people. If you were fast earlier in the year at a certain track, you were fast later in the year. Nobody made gains anywhere. um, As Except for, you know, like the mile and a half because just as the season progressed, it was the same people that were fast, but it kind of changed a little bit. That's about it, though. You know, same exact cars were fast here at Phoenix this time around. And, you know, that's just something, you know, I'm always looking forward here. So, like 2023, um just something to keep in mind as we, as we head into next season and as we start handicapping next season. But overall, you know, 2022 – we both agree is one of the best, best seasons, but definitely one of the best seasons recently. Um, what is, what was your favorite race this season at just as a viewer? What was your favorite race to watch? I'm curious.
1: Yeah. I mean, there were definitely some good ones. I think uh, I thought Coda was a great race to watch. You saw mm. all the battling back and forth between, uh, you know, Almondinger, Chastain, briscoe was up there at certain points reddick and then bowman got in the mix at the end i thought that was a really good race i actually thought gateway was a really good race you could run you could pass a gateway you could run multiple grooves that was the race where ross accidentally hit denny and then also did kind of the same with chase Elliott. and they were both just hounding him the rest of the race that one was a pretty funny one that was entertaining there are a lot of good races but i think for me the number one race this year uh, would have to be the Southern 500. I thought there was a lot of yep. really good racing in that one. Um, and I obviously, I know I won Eric Jones 81 on that or whatever, but that's not why I liked it. I just thought it was fantastic racing. I thought both Darlington races were really, really good. You could pass. Yeah. Uh, there was incidents. There was some drama. I know a lot of people didn't like the, fir- the second Darlington, the Southern 500 uh, for just the fact that like all the JGR cars ended up blowing up. But to me, that was classic Southern 500. That was long 500 mile Labor Day weekend race. And, uh, you know, incidents attrition is going to happen. I thought it was very classic style of racing. So I would say that would be my favorite, but there were a lot of good races this year. And it's really hard to pick one single favorite. I mean, I even thought Sonoma was a good race, and Sonoma usually doesn't like check the box for me on like good races. But this year, I thought it was a really good race. It was really competitive. Some surprise names. Uh, you know, I just I thought it was a really, really, really good year for for NASCAR racing by and large. I mean, the mile and a half, they were all really good. Auto Club this year, the two-mile track at Auto Club was crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. So there were just so many good races. But number one for me would be the Southern 500
0: yeah and and as I was going through the list of races this year, that's definitely what I landed on as well um and and I think a big part of that for me not only the racing but also uh that was like the most invested in a race I was this this year because that was the opening qualifying for um fancy racing world championship and it was just such a roller coaster of emotions for me. Plus, you know, hitting, I had Eric Jones 60 to one that race. I know you had him 80 to one, but like hitting Eric Jones 60 to one, the overall, just uh, everything that happened during that race that was just, yeah, watching it, that was the best race this season, in my opinion, as well. I'm going to throw in, I, I, I like the other ones you said, I'm also going to throw in Watkins Glenn. I thought Watkins Glenn was a really good race, yes. especially at the end.
1: just highlighting
0: that one <laughs> on Yeah. My, uh, sheet here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the Watkins Glen definitely, all like really all the road courses outside of like Road America was what didn't do a ton for me. But yeah, you road know, even the, even, the, even the Indy Road Course, as much of a shit show as that was, it was still very good at the end. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, and these races are definitely, this is just from a viewing perspective, you know, like we're going to get into our best races betting wise, like just strictly as a viewer right here. I think these races were just absolute top notch this year. Um, I'd even throw in, you know, earlier in the season, the, f- the first Atlanta race. I don't know why I thought it was quite exciting. I didn't get to yeah. watch it live, but when but when I went by, you know, there are just so many races that you can go back and you are like, oh, I remember, I remember what happened here. at Hell, even like uh, the Charlotte Coca Cola Six Hundred. I thought that was a very that good was race, a
1: fantastic race. And, we were uh, watching that again, together.
0: Yeah, exactly. So like it, races like that, like you know, because I, I remember. Like, you know, going to the, to the betting aspect of it, I was on Denny Hamlin from the Monday of that week and 12 to 1 all week. And after qualifying 12 to 1 and, you know, and, and then for him to come, to come and actually win it from the poll is, it was awesome. That's when I stopped hating Denny Hamlin. Um, from a viewer's perspective, I think we're going to both be on the same one here as far as, as far as the worst race this season. Um, I'm going Martinsville, first Martinsville race. And then Phoenix finale one two yep. as the That's worst races to same watch. Same one season. two,
1: absolute same one two. Um, I don't think there's any question. Martinsville one was the one of the worst races, not just of the year, but of the past several years. And then uh, Phoenix for sure. I thought the finale was rather boring. Um, I, I didn't think it was you know horrible, but I thought it was rather boring. So. Would go the same two there as far as um, again from maybe from a viewing standpoint. I guess if I had to pick a number three, uh, I'd probably go with Dover just because it was unremarkable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't bad; it was just, I, I guess, it was unremarkable. Other than like the Chastain Truex thing right there at the end, uh, and obviously Ricky Stenhouse finished second, but. Stenhouse was good all day. It wasn't like he like flew through the field, and then you know uh, there was slicing and dicing and guys going back and forth. It it was just I thought it was kind of uh, just you know mostly as they ran. Uh, if you go and look at for example at the stages, uh, Stenhouse finished fifth in stage two and, and second in stage three. Like the guys that were all up there in stage two were all up there in stage three, unless they had a problem. Blaney had a, a problem there, uh, but. By and large, it was the same same guys. So I thought Dover was unremarkable. I don't really remember much of it, other than you know the very little bit of the end there. So uh, I guess that would be a number three for me. But that's like that's like trying to find something wrong, or maybe Road America. I guess Road America would be up there as well. It was just it was Redick and uh, and Elliott getting away with it.
0: Yeah. Um, Betting wise, now though what what was your best race this season as far as as betting goes?
1: Um well, I think the number one betting race for me was and there was a lot of good ones. So uh, obviously we had the Chris busher one twenty five to one that I hit. I had the Eric Jones eighty to one that I hit. But the number one betting race for me was the week I hit Kevin Harvick 130 to 1. I was Mm. also on him midweek at 25 to 1. So that would be the number one betting week for me now obviously i took advantage of a a line that was posted at 130 to 1 after qualifying but again vandal only slowly moved it down they didn't i should say slowly but they moved it down incrementally rather than just like fixing the line and it wasn't like they went from 130 to 1 to 13 to 1. they ended up i think at like 18 or, or, or 20 20 still so um you know it wasn't just like they fat fingered an extra zero in there but that was my number one betting race. I felt like I was really sharp on that race. And that was like the stretch of the season where I just got really hot. Um, If you go before, you know, before the the Daytona where the guy won the millionaire, uh, the million dollar parlay, I won at the Glen. I won at Richmond. I won, I think, at Michigan. At Indy, I had two guys, 30 and 34 to one top tens. Um, Then after the Daytona million race, I won at Darlington with Eric Jones one at Kansas with Bubba, one at Bristol with Busher. Like I was just on fire during that stretch of the season. So um, you, you almost could pick any of those because if you, if you look at my graph in the action network, it was just like straight up, but even that 131, Harvick 131 wasn't tracked on the action app because you can't track stale lines. And, you know, by the time I got over to the app to track it, that thing had already moved down to 40 something. So uh, even that's not in the app. And then, uh, I think I won a top manufacturer bet in that race as well, if I remember correctly. And just speaking of the the Action Network app, like I think I ended up 71 or so units this year, but that doesn't count. Like, again, the Harvick, 130 to 1 outright. That doesn't count. Atlanta 2, remember the race that Corey LaJoy almost won? Well, I wasn't yeah. able to track my Caesars top 10s there because uh, I was having an issue at the time. And so I had Harrison Burton and Cole Custer at, like, nine and 12 to one to finish in the top 10 that doesn't include several of the top manufacturers bets i hit this year with chris busher crossing line backward at atlanta one uh keselowski 20 to one and uh you know i think it was what was it homestead uh i had a uh another long manufacturer one i can't remember um but uh yeah several long top manufacturers several uh other ones I couldn't track. Obviously, the Harvick one hundred and thirty to one. So uh, overall, this year I ended up over one hundred units on the season. So pretty good year there. But number one race for me was the Kevin Harvick Richmond win.
0: Mm-hmm. And I remember that that well because we t- we were talking about Harvick and Logano that entire episode of stacking denny's we were talking about harvick logano they opened them at 25 and then they they were still available 20 all week logano led the most laps harvick won the race like that was just that was just an awesome race overall from betting perspective i'm i'm kind of you know just looking back at this season from specifically betting i'm kind of kicking myself for taking as big of a step back as i did because what i did was i i didn't bet nearly as much much like unit wise as I have in the past, because there was just so much uncertainty in this year. And even though I was, I was making good bets and I was winning throughout the year until I hit, I hit the roughest stretch through the last, basically since I stopped really watching um NASCAR, I hit the roughest stretch to end the season in my life. It got to the point, like I was barely making a bet a week. Like I was just done because it, nothing was, nothing was hitting for me, but I'm really kicking myself during the middle and and mid to like before we got to the final part of the season not getting back to my normal betting amounts because you know i was betting where i would be betting a hundred dollars on on people last year i was betting like 15 this year just to kind of mitigate this risk but we had such value throughout the year and that's what sucks you know looking back throughout the year because you remember the early season value on Ross Chastain mm-hmm. 40 to 1 at Coda 35 to 1 at Talladega like there were so many spots to take advantage of and I'm just I'm constantly kicking myself about that but um looking at I'm going to throw fantasy in here because that's going to be where my biggest wins have been this year, as because as, as, I didn't have any like major big wins at in, in betting except for uh Bubba Wallace, Indy Road Course, top Toyota 100 to one, uh, right. and then Eric Eric Jones 60 to one. But um, my best the, this week's uh, or best weeks this year two Atlanta races, fantasy, yep. DFS. I don't know what it is about Atlanta, but over the last five seasons, over the last six seasons, I'm plus 32,000 in, in DFS. And they're totally uh, different uh, it, Atlantas too. <laughs> and totally different Atlantas. Like, I don't know what it is in both, both of those, uh, both of the first races the last two years where I've qualified for the, for the, uh, King of the yeah. Speedway and Fantasy Racing World Championships. So whatever it is about Atlanta, I wish we could race there every single week because I just seem to, crush that every single time. But um yeah, those two races this year looking at my chart here, uh just under 10k profit for those two races plus the the $5800 um ticket. So 15 15k profit if you want to take the actual value of that. I also had a really good year uh pokeno again for the second year in a row. $4800 um in DFS there, but you know, it, it it was a fun DFS season as well. You know, I got, like, I don't know, like I said, betting-wise, I'm curious to see what what kind of value we can, we can get next year. Because how smart books got from, for the last 10 races especially, especially like basically since Darlington and, and Eric Jones wins, books got super smart. I don't know if we're going to see that same value next year especially with we now actually have data with this new car but it's certainly possible don't you think
1: yeah oh yeah definitely think it's uh
0: books are gonna be
1: sharp but at the same time every new year is a new year and so there's always gonna be things that you know are different one team's gonna catch up or one team's gonna fall behind or um certain drivers gonna you know have a amazing improvement in the off season so there's always going to be something that's different and it's always about trying to get on the changes as quick as possible so you know obviously the first couple races this year i started off down if i've showed my graph several times before uh but i started off down quite a bit um you know like eight ten twelve units somewhere in that neighborhood after the first three or four races but then it was about adjusting. And then I got on the Ross Chastain train really quickly and was on him on that 40 to 1 at Circuit of the Americas. And from there on it kind of was improving throughout the, the middle portion of the year until I was really dialed in. And like you, I kind of tailed off those last few weeks, mostly just because NFL started, had a lot of I wouldn't say disinterest in betting NASCAR, but I'm just so busy that like with NFL, that betting NASCAR was not the number one priority for me at the last few weeks of the season. Plus, uh, I just didn't think there was, like you said, the books got sharper. I just didn't think there was also as much value. Uh, there was a lot of weeks where I was like, I just I don't even want to bet anything right now. Like, Even I would try to find something, and I was like, I just don't see anything. So it was a yeah. combination of all the value getting sucked dry from, you know, when every underdog wins, like when Busher wins or when Bubba Wallace wins or when Eric Jones wins or when uh, whoever ends up winning, all of a sudden their odds get shorter. And so the fact that we had like 19 winners – everybody's odds got shorter and then they never like lengthened enough again uh, at, at any point really. So there was just like all the value was sapped out of, of everybody by the end of the season. So hard to make money when all the value is gone. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think next year is all going to be, it's going to be about adjusting as quick as possible because we think we know things, but there's going to be still a lot of changes. And I'm, you know, I'm interested to see what NASCAR changes. Obviously, they're going to change the, the rear end clip hopefully for safety but i think there's also going to be some focus on how can we make short track racing better how can we make road course racing maybe a little bit better uh with this car so don't be surprised if we see some rule changes this off season
0: mm-hmm. uh yeah as far as like disinterest and later in the year i think when DraftKings suspended me from their sports book for a little bit and then just never reinstated me that completely turned me off from betting like I don't know why it it completely pissed me off and I just stopped betting anywhere because DraftKings was always my go-to and, and then yeah, NFL season started and I'm like, um, you know, fuck this. Like I I've had the year I've had. I, I still had my best DFS year. I, I'm not, I have to run the numbers to see if it's my best betting year, but I, I'll take, I was basically to the point where I was like, I'm going to take this and, and, I'm going to go into 2023 and get ready for that. But um question, and I didn't prep you for this one like I did the other ones. Give me your give me your top two or three surprises of biggest surprises to you of 2022.
1: Um first just I did not expect as much parody as we've had. So I think that's surprise number 1. And I don't think any of us did. I don't think any of us expected 2019 whatever winners. I don't think people expected Eric Jones to grab a win this year, Chris Busher to grab a win this year. Not on super speedways, mind you. Uh, right. You know, I don't think necessarily <laughs> people expected <laughs> Bristol Daniel and Darlington. S- yeah, exactly. Or Daniel Suarez to win at a road course. Um, you know, like, I just, that's surprise number one overall is just. The parody, the craziness, the, the the new winners, you know, Bubba Wallace got his second win. It was again not on a Super Speedway. I don't. I brought up an article this year where I was like, I can't really see him winning unless it's a Super Speedway or maybe Pocono. That you know he's been really good at Indian Pocono over the years. But uh, so again, just surprises everywhere with all these different first-time winners. So that's the surprise number one. Surprise number two, which. I guess I wouldn't say so much the safety of the car was the surprise because we heard about the crash test dummies and you know, all that stuff, but just the, all of the issues, especially because they had that extra year to vet this car with COVID, all of the issues, whether it was tires falling off, whether it was tire rubber buildup causing fires in the tires, whether it was blown tires, whether it was concussion issues, just a massive amount of issues. Um, inability to pass at certain tracks it, where we used to be able to, you know, it used to be Martinsville's the best race uh, because you could bump a run. You couldn't bump a run at Martinsville now. And the opposite was like, Oh, the mile and a half were terrible. Well now the mile and a halfs are like arguably the best races of the year. So um, I just think the surprises from the car itself, we knew things were going to be different. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the surprises with just the massive amount of actual issues that went on. What I will say some of it improved throughout the year. We didn't see as many tires flying off uh, at the end of the year mm-hmm. uh, as we did at the beginning. So I think there were some, you know, some gains made there. Not just from NASCAR's side, but I would say from the team's side as well. They learned how to deal with this better. Maybe improved uh, protocols for pit stops or uh, more reliable parts in terms of like, um, you know, screwing on the, the the nuts and stuff for the lug nuts. Uh, but uh, whatever it was there were a lot more problems with this car than I expected. I didn't expect things to be perfect, but there was a lot more problems than I expected.
0: Mm-hmm. I think you're going to know what my biggest surprise was this year. Go for it. Michael McDowell.
1: Yep. I was going to say him, but I was going to leave that to you.
0: <laughs> 12 top tens this year. The same number as Alex Bowman, more top tens in Austin Dillon, more top tens in William Byron, more top tens in Bubba Wallace, Chris Buescher, Chase Briscoe, Austin Cedric, Kurt Busch. Obviously, Kurt Busch was missed almost half the season. But still, Michael McDowell was my favorite story of the season. The biggest surprise to me. I'll also give Justin Haley a nice little shout out. He, that, he drove his ass off this year, and I'm excited to see what he can do in 2023. Um, Second biggest surprise to me this year, the Tyler Reddick-Kyle Bush. Everything that transpired there. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year that Joe Gibbs is just going to get rid of, which by the way, I, I, sh- I think I shared this TikTok on, 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 um, Twitter. I don't think Joe Gibbs is a good person. I, I think he is an actual horrible human being. And it, that's why it does not surprise me that Ty Gibbs is such a piece of shit as he is. Rest in peace to, to his dad. But I, part of me doesn't feel bad for Ty Gibbs. I think he's a garbage human being. Like, feel bad for the family, but um, that whole Tyler Reddick, Kyle Busch thing was a huge surprise to me. Um, Did not think he would let Kyle Busch walk in. I'm excited to see what Kyle Busch is going to be able to do at RCR and whether he's actually going to be able to bring that organization to the next level and what that's actually going to do with Austin Dillon because it should theoretically elevate Austin Dillon. He's getting a hell of a driver for a year or two. Kyle Busch is getting up there in age, but he's getting a hell of a teammate there, and so I'm I'm very interested to see what he can do there. That and and plus the fact that twenty three eleven kept that under wraps as much as they did. There's no such thing as breaking news anymore in the in the world of NASCAR. So I that whole thing was just wild to me. And then I sh- Bubba Wallace winning. i'm gonna throw that in there as well that was awesome to see uh i think we were both waiting for that to happen and and even that race weekend i didn't really expect it to happen but when it did it was it was cool to see i like seeing. yeah i mean i wasn't even
1: on i wasn't really not that i was off bubba that weekend but uh i didn't have a bet on him or anything until i was drinking with my friend right before nfl started and uh It's like, fuck it, we're going to throw some money on Bubba. So we did. So it wasn't even like one of those, like, I recommend this. It was just like a, fuck it, I'm going to throw money on Bubba, because I feel like 30-1, to which Westgate was offering, was just too long when everybody else was offering 20. So we just just did it. Uh, But yeah, you're right. I I agree. I thought that was pretty surprising. I actually do think the Reddick announcement itself, I probably whiffed on that. I think that probably was the number one surprise of the year, because nobody saw that coming. I mean, that was the most out-of-left-field thing Period. So that probably would be the number one surprise. Um I knew you were gonna say McDowell, and and that's why I left it for you because I, you know, I was like, oh, I should probably say it, but I think Jordan's gonna say it. <laughs> but I will say this McDowell had his worst stretch of the year to end the year with only one top ten in his final nine races. He did not go another nine race stretch with only one top ten. If you take any other nine race stretch, he had at least two top tens. So um definitely uh the worst stretch of his year was at the end of the year. He actually had one. Yeah. One top 10 in his final nine races. So um, that was a little unfortunate to see. He also had that 100 point penalty uh, and he and Brad Keslowski had 100 point penalties, but Keslowski also got the disqualification at Martinsville. So uh, Michael McDowell ended up finishing ahead of Brad Keslowski in points. But if Keslowski had gotten credit for his fourth place finish plus his stage points. Kozlowski I think, would have just edged out Michael McDowell for 23rd in the point standings. Uh, and then you take away 100 points or, or add 100 points each. McDowell actually would have finished ahead of Eric Almarola in the points for 20th. Although I guess he would have been bumped back to 21st by Brad Kozlowski who really would have finished 20th or even 19th ahead of Bubba Wallace. Uh, and as we know, Bubba Wallace missed a race due to his suspension. So um, we may have to look at it like a points per race basis and, and count Kozlowski's as like DQ is like only 35 races and Bubba's is only 35 races. But I think if we do a points per race basis, uh looks like it probably would have been Bubba Wallace ahead of Brad Kozlowski, ahead of Michael McDowell for 19 20,
0: You know what's wild when we're sitting here talking about the most surprising things of this season? Neither of us mentioned the guy that had the most top 10s and the most top 5s and almost won the championship.
1: Ross Chastain, man.
0: The That was there, – there were so many surprises. Basically, there were so many surprises this season that we're sitting here overlooking. And I think we got we got used to, hey, Ross Chastain is elite. Yep. At mm-hmm. this point, he is a legitimate – he's going to be one of the favorites heading into 2023 to win that championship. Yeah, He's firmly established himself in that team as one of the best. But coming into this season, I don't think any of us, I, th- I, th- I think we would have been surprised if he won one race. Now, he only won two, but legitimate championship contender. So definitely a huge surprise there. Like you said, Suarez winning a a, uh, a road course like Trackhouse, they surprised the hell out of me. I remember when they started, I was like, eh, I'm not going to do anything, you know, and then when they expanded to two teams, I'm like, yeah, it's cool, but they're not going to do anything. Look at that, you know, Chastain argu- arguably the best season this year. You know, if you if you take away his his wrecks and stuff, he probably would have outperformed Chase Elliott in all of the other statistics. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So- I agree. and I mean, there were
1: flashes of Ross Chastain being what he was, you know, I mean, he had a second place at Nashville last year, fourth at Circuit of the Americas, a third at Darlington with the Ganassi team. So there were flashes there. But even then, Trackhouse, we didn't expect to be this good, partly because, you know, they had Daniel Suarez last year, and Daniel Suarez is not Ross Chastain. Um, now, obviously, Daniel Suarez has improved this year to last year, uh, but we it took multiple things. It took Trackhouse and improving. It took Chastain also, not just showing the flashes that he showed last year, but sustaining that to get to where he was. So it was kind of like the tail, upper tail of like multiple distributions there is preseason where you would have had to have any idea that Ross Chastain would make it to the final four, let alone finish second, let alone get a couple wins and, and all the stats that he accumulated. If you're talking Ross Chastain preseason – Again, you would need to be like, well, we need to hit the upper tail of multiple distributions for this outcome. And we did, and and now that's kind of the new normal. This this is the new uh, you know, I mean, even then, they, maybe he overperformed a little, or maybe Trackhouse overperformed a little. Maybe there's a little bit of regression or, or bigger teams make more gains. So we don't necessarily have to expect this from Chastain next year, but he's certainly going to be one of the best cars next year, one of the best drivers next year. It's just a matter of is one of the best. Second or, or first, or is it eighth or ninth or tenth? Because that's still really good, right? I mean, Kyle Busch was 13th this year. We're not saying he's a terrible driver or in a terrible car by any means.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely something to look like, see whether Ross Chastain can continue this through 2023. I don't think he's going to have a problem. I think the guy's talented as hell. And I think, he, if anything, he's going to get a little bit better. Um, but, but you know, looking to 2023, some of the changes coming in: AJ Allmendinger is going to the 16 for Colleagues full time. Um, you know my thoughts there. Kyle Busch moving to the number eight for Richard Tortoise Racing. Ty Dillon is moving from Petty GMS to 77 for Spire. Kurt Busch is stepping away full time. Tyler Reddick's coming in the 45. We got Noah Gregson coming into the 42 for Petty GMS. And speaking of Petty GMS, Jimmy Johnson has bought in to that organization, is now a co-owner and will also drive a partial schedule for a third Petty GMS car. Uh what do you think about that? Like those are I think that's it's kind of like I don't want to say it's the track house, but I want to say uh the colleague Like Petty GMS and colleague Racing, are, I think, are two organizations to definitely keep an eye on heading into 2023. Um you know, Petty was the laughingstock of the sport for a while. GMS comes in and all of a sudden they're somewhat competitive. And now they got Noah Gregson and Eric Jones in that car. Two very talented, very young drivers. And now Jimmy Johnson comes in to help even more with not only ownership, but he's going to be driving and 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 helping out. Um, what do you think about that whole situation there with, with Johnson making his way back to NASCAR?
1: I mean, it's awesome. It's a great. It's great for the sport. Uh, it's great for Petty GMS, I believe, because um, that's just an infusion of more money, talent, great mind, a uh, guy who's been in it, been through it all in NASCAR. Uh, so it's just a huge, huge thing for them. Uh, obviously, with Gregson coming in, Eric Jones, you've got two monster drivers, um, two incredibly talented drivers who could be driving for the big teams and winning for the big teams. Uh, no doubt. And... You know they're both, like you said, they're both young. Eric Jones is still young; he still ha- could flip this Petty GMS thing into a contract with a bigger team again. Let's say, um, you know, somebody retires from one of the big teams or something happens, uh, he absolutely could be on Hendrick or Kevin Harvick, exactly, or Stuart Haas. Although I'm not even sure that's a massive upgrade from Petty right now. Right. <laughs> um Yeah. That's but, true. uh but no, I mean, it probably is, but yeah. Or whether it's Stuart Haas or, um, you know, I obviously don't think Joe Logano or Ryan Blaney are, are retiring anytime soon, but you never know if anybody gets injured or something like that. If there's a new full-time ride that becomes available. Uh, so I definitely think Eric Jones is a guy that has a very long career still in the cup series. And Noah Gregson obviously is a talented driver, hell of a driver and in an, uh, he you know he'll take some time to adapt to the cup series they they always do i mean gregson hasn't lit the world on fire this year in cup ty gibbs didn't light the world this, on fire this year in cup there's always an adaptation period for rookies it's very rare you find one just lighten up the world right off the bat um so uh i mean tyler reddick didn't kyle larson didn't they didn't get win they were they were better i'd say than than gregson or gibbs or Now, gregson had only a few races in that 48 car and gibbs had 12 or 13 races in that uh In that car maybe even more but they definitely didn't have great years uh and so you know it just goes goes to show how hard it is to be a rookie so i think jimmy johnson coming on there is going to be a big help get that veteran experience a lot of knowledge to help the especially gregson kind of come through a lot quicker on that team and like you said we were talking maybe about johnson being with you know project 91 or whatever And apparently there were discussions around that. There were discussions with Hendrick, but it ended up being that uh, Johnson partial owner now of Petty GMS. I I don't think they've renamed it. I don't know if they're going to, Um, but uh, he's going to be racing a few races. And I do think it'll be the Daytona 500, I think, was already announced. But I think if I had to pick races that uh, Johnson would absolutely be running, it's, of course, the all-star race. I'm very curious if he does the Chicago street race because of all that IndyCar car experience he got. And I think it'd be a great, you know, spectacle that it would be hard for him to want to pass up on that. So I think the Chicago street race, I'd be very curious if he does Martinsville because, you know, he's been so good at Martinsville and Dover. Um, so I'm wondering if he slips any of those into his schedule, but he says he's going to do a few, a few races. I'm sure it won't be more than two or three or four, maybe five tops. I would guess, but you never know. Never know.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, One guy we forgot to talk about, uh, I forgot to mention when it comes to next season and and new is your boy, Ty Gibbs. Um, Nothing (laughs) official yet, but, (laughs) but all indications point that he's going to be in that number 18 for Joe Gibbs racing. Um, Like I said, nothing official yet. Maybe they will, that'll be his uh, punishment for his actions at Martinsville that they're going to keep him out of the 18 for a year, but I doubt it. Um, More than likely, Ty Gibbs is running that 18. Um, I'm curious. Obviously, we're we're a couple days off from the end of 2022. We only have like 88 days till the beginning of 2023, but I always like to do way too early predictions. And I'll start off here, way too early prediction. I already said AJ Allmendinger. I said he's not going to make the playoffs. That's my main prediction with him. I think, though, huh? I'm debating between a couple of things right here. <laughs> I think I'll just I'll say both. I think Kyle Busch goes winless next year. And I think Chase Elliott posts a career high and wins. So he wins six or more races next year. I agree, my, with you. My- I
1: agree with you on Kyle Busch for sure. Um, I think he goes winless. I, I just don't think RCR is quite up the snuff. Tyler Reddick is, uh, you know, he has two wins this year. One of them came at Texas when everybody's tire fell off. Uh, and one of them came at the Indy road course, or sorry, three wins and, and, and road America. So Kyle Busch just isn't the same level as Tyler Reddick on road courses right now. There's no two ways about it. Now, obviously, JGR had a down year, but Kyle Busch wasn't anywhere close to his own teammates on the road courses this year. So, that would be one spot where if he is at RCR, you'd look for him to want to win, is at these oddball tracks, road courses, super speedways, uh, etc. So, if he's not going to win there, where is he going to win? Well, maybe the mile and a half. Reddick was really good at the mile and a half this year as well. And Darlington, you know, these intermediate tracks. But, Kyle Busch, uh, I don't think, is as sharp as he once was. I'm not saying he's a bad driver; he's still a very good driver. But um, you know, he should have won Vegas this year. But that's in Joe Gibbs' equipment, and I do think Richard Childress Racing is a downstep in equipment. So it's going to be hard for me to see Kyle Busch win next year. Um, if I have to make a prediction for next year, I think. Ryan Blaney gets multiple wins and not only does he get multiple wins, but he sets a career high in wins, which his career high is three. So I think he's getting at least three. So I'll say at least three tying or beating his career high in wins. Um, He probably could have had two this year, maybe even more. And, you know, he went winless on the super speedways where, you know, he's always a threat. He was a threat at some of the road courses this year. He's been a threat at, pretty much everywhere except the tracks he really sucks at, which are Richmond, Darlington, and Homestead. Um, and even then he made some gains at Richmond uh, or, or uh, you know, even a little bit Darlington and Homestead. Uh, not so much Homestead, but but definitely Darlington. He he had some good moments there. Uh, and Richmond, he certainly was a lot better. So I think we- Ryan Blaney sets a career high in wins. And then since you gave two predictions, I will give two predictions I think Eric Almarola does not even finish inside the top 24 in points next year. Ooh. He finished 20th by, this year.
0: But I, I don't think now. he
1: finishes in the top 24. I just feel like he's I don't want to say disinterested cuz he's coming back. Um But he's just there, I think, because they asked him to be back because the money is there and they needed the driver because they have the sponsor, Uh, that kind of thing. Like the sponsor wanted him back. I don't think he's coming back because he wants to necessarily come back. Uh, He talked through it with his family. And you look at the second half of his year from Road America and beyond. Uh, He finished 28th at Road America, but he he had an eighth the next week in Atlanta. But after that, he only had one more top 10, which was an eighth at Richmond. And uh, it was really bad. It was 31st, 38th, 34th, 29th, 21st, 21st, 28th, 24th, 21st in there. The end of the season, he did have a little bit better. Um, He had in his last uh, six races, he had four finishes inside the top 20. But in the playoffs, he only had one finish better than – 14th uh so not very good that was an 11th at Darlington no finishes better than 14th in his last nine races uh and if you take his last 12 races no top 10s at all whatsoever
0: yeah I think I I think not only is he done but I think Stuart Haas is going to end up going down to to less cars in their stable um rumor has it Kevin Harvick's done after next year you know, I don't know how long is Ar- um staying, but I think they're going to eventually go down to like a two car team. And I think I, I I truly believe Stuart Haas is going to turn into like the the Petty GMS, not maybe not as bad as Petty GMS was, but they are such right now a mid tier team. I think they're going to get well. I, I'd call them like upper mid tier. Yeah, like RCR, I think they're going kinda- to. Yeah, I think they're gonna get down to that mid to lower mid tier team over these next couple couple years because there's just I mean, when you're when you're rolling with Cole Custer and and I know Chase Briscoe's shown shown flashes, but Kevin Harvick's done. Eric Amarolic's done. You're not gonna land any huge free agent here. You're not gonna suddenly revive this. Um I just don't I don't think I don't think Tony Stewart's really into it anymore, this whole NASCAR thing. So um one more thing, like one thing I'd I'd like two things I'd like to see, but I'm not going to list them as predictions. I'd I and they, but they wouldn't surprise me. Bubba Wallace multiple wins next year, and uh, Justin Haley getting a win. I'm I'm big on Justin Haley going into 2023. And if there's a line for Bubba over like one and a half wins, like an alternate line, because I'm sure his line's going to be set at like a half. There's an alternate line of one and a half. I think I'm depending on what the odds are, I might bet that. Because I I I do think he has a decent shot at um at winning two races next year.
1: By the way, I I like I hit my I hit my Penske over four and a half with that last race of the year. (laughs) I
0: forgot about that. Wouldn't have that been something though? Like like I would have loved to see your uh like a live stream of you if if Blaney went for the win there at the end of Phoenix and took them both out. (laughs) Then Chastain. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. That's exactly what I was getting at. That would have been like the the biggest highs and lows of like immediate. I
1: I don't know if Penske could ever forgive Blaney for that.
0: It's one of those things
1: where if you're Joe Gibbs, you're just like, yeah, well, it's my son or my grandson. So I don't care. But if you're Penske, you're like, Blaney is dead to me, you know? Yeah. Like, Penske is the ultimate corporate guy. Yeah. You do everything for the team. This is a corporation effort. Um, He he would not tolerate that from Blaney. And I think that's part of why Blaney was so mad is because he knows, like, this isn't a thing we do at Team Penske. It's just not. Uh, And he knew he had the best car, and that's why he was so mad. So... I would have loved it. It would have been great. I wish it had happened, but um, yeah. I'm, I'm just glad I hit my my over on that because you were mentioning Bubba over, uh, you know, half or one and a half wins, and and I agree with you. I think that's uh, certainly a good bet. Um, how many wins do you think Tyler Reddick's going to get next year?
0: That's see. That's where I'm. I know people are expecting the world from him, and I don't think he's going to set the world on fire. I think it's going to take him a year to get to get acclimated. But I could see it. I could see it both ways. I could see him going out there and, and, and winning four races and I could see him go out there and, and laying it and laying an egg. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there's no in between. I feel like he's not going to just go out and win one race next year. It's either going to be like four or nothing.
1: Yeah. I
0: agree. And I, I, I don't know where I'm, where I sit on that because you know, the Toyota's second half of the season, Toyota speed was there. They they bring that into 2023. Obviously, he has the damn uh, talent, and we saw what 2311 did this year. You know, Kurt Busch won a race, Bubba Wallace won a race. There's no reason to think that he can't go out there and and put on some dominating efforts for sure.
1: The the question is if JGR is still as bad as they are at road courses. There goes two of Reddick's wins, basically.
0: That's yep. That's another thing. You have to think that they're going to improve. At road courses, don't you? Yeah.
1: but it, it doesn't mean they will. You know,
0: we, I, we said that, we said that after the first road course race of the season too, and they mm-hmm. they they did marginally yes. over the the over however many months, but they were not they were never contenders, like true but, contenders. Like even when Christopher Bell won the won the Roval race, he wasn't a, a real contender in that race. You know, he didn't have the best car, so yeah, that's that's a whole another thing. That I think a lot of people are going to overlook when it comes to Tyler Reddick. They're going to say, oh, he's so good at road courses. Well, if Toyota's still bad next year at road courses, he's not going to have that advantage no matter how good his talent is. Yep. Because those cars were just so far off. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, how do you uh, – So okay. There's a couple drivers I have just like – I'm kind of like always down on them. And they – I wouldn't say always down on them. Um, but I kind of just think they're like meh and Mm -hmm. yet they still made the playoffs uh, right all in a row, finished 10th, 11th, 12th in the playoffs. Daniel Suarez, Austin Dillon, Austin Sindrick. Any of those jump out at you for maybe next year?
0: Making a big gain?
1: A big gain or a big drop-off or anything.
0: mm, I think they're all (sighs) – the only one I could see out of those guys making a big gain would be Sindrick getting a year a cup under his belt. He did not run awful this year. He's in a Penske car. I think he could stand to make a big game, but I Austin Dillon, I think is always going to be mid tier like that. He's going to have a, a surprise here and there. And Daniel Suarez, I, you know, I just can't get behind that guy too. <laughs> like, fair. like even, even like you look at this year, like to me, there was a there was a huge gap between Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez when it comes to performance. And if they're running basically the same cars, you know what that huge gap is due to? It's due to talent. Daniel Suarez does not have a ton of talent. I don't I don't care what you say, you can be a big fan of him. He's he, and not you specifically, I'm saying people in general. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah I so I think I think they're they're gonna be there. Suarez might win a race. I think you know Austin Dillon has a decent shot at making the playoffs again, but Cindrick's a guy I think to keep an eye on. Um, but keep it um speaking of guy to keep eye on that who could really break out even more next year Christopher Bell is this yeah. year that he has established himself as one of the best in the sport and he's or coming to this...
1: that he's coming in that age that 28 to 36 golden age. There's like a golden mm-hmm. age there. And you kind of figure it out. Like on average when you're 28 and you still get a little better even into your thirties. Like Joey Logano is probably right near the peak of his career at this point. He, you probably have one or two more good, like peak Joey Logano years for him. He, I, Joey Logano is a title contender for next year for sure. hundred percent. And I think you're right with bell that he is still going to be improving in the next couple years. Um, and he's coming to that prime age where uh, he absolutely could get some things done. I agree with you there.
0: Yeah, um, and that was that was honestly a reason I I said I think Chase Elliott puts up a huge year next year. He's twenty seven next year. Yep, he's there, but Blaine, you know, just f-
1: right there too. You know, I mean. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but yeah, Christopher Bell this year, you know, he's only improved his first three seasons. He's improved every single year this year, three wins, 12 top fives, 10 or 20 top tens. My only concern would be is if, you know, he just got hot at the right time this year and then he kind of gets back down to normal levels next year. But he's, I think he's definitely one that we have to keep an eye on fourth year in the cup series next year, coming off a great ending of this season. Um, yeah, Christopher Bell is is someone and yeah, uh, like you I can't, chime you can't
1: when you can, I want to chime in on Austin strength, but go ahead with your thought. No, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say just Austin syndrome for me. I feel like he just, he's so underwhelming. <laughs> um, yeah. Aside from the road courses, which we know he can do well at. Uh, I think everywhere else he's incredibly underwhelming. Now, obviously
0: he him finished- and him and chase Briscoe, remind me a lot of each other.
1: I I disagree. I think Chase Briscoe is a whole lot more aggressive and actually overperforms his equipment, whereas Austin Sindrick, I think, underperforms his equipment. Um, I think the issue for me with Austin Sindrick, yeah, he won the Xfinity Series in 2020 and finished second in 2021, but he was in a Penske car in the Xfinity yeah. Series when there's very yeah. few competitive, and he barely edged out... Uh, in 2020, he barely edged out. Let me uh scroll over here. You know, Justin Allgaier. Well, I mean, he, he won Phoenix going away, but he barely like in terms of like actual performance, he had this really hot middle of the season. But other than that, he barely edged out guys like Justin Haley, All- Justin Allgaier, and Chase Briscoe, who were in inferior equipment. I mean, I think Penske's Xfinity was right up there with JRM. Um, junior motorsports and Joe Gibbs racing. And um, instead he was competing with colleague like Justin Haley. Uh, he was competing with Chase Briscoe, who was in that Stuart Haas ish car uh, and who didn't actually put up a ton of like he, Chase Briscoe put up like really high and really low results. He was like super polarized. But then in 2021, we know that, you know, he barely edged out or barely lost to, I should say, Daniel Hamrick. Um, Now, Hemrick was in Gibbs equipment, but if you're losing to Daniel Hemrick in Gibbs equipment and you're in Penske equipment, it's not ideal there. Um, Certainly, Cindric had five wins that year. I think that was the most in the series, Uh, but I'm not saying he's bad. I just don't think he overperforms his equipment, so I think he's going to be your average Penske driver, and he's only 24 right now, so next year he's only going to be 25, I just don't see where he's like going to be coming into his prime yet. Uh, I I just think he underwhelms. I just think Austin Sindrick is blah outside of road courses. Whereas Chase Briscoe, Chase Briscoe is awesome at road courses as well, but he gets really good at other tracks like your steep tracks, your homesteads, your, your uh, Bristol dirt. Um, You know, he's good at some of these oddball tracks, the less cookie cutter ones. So, I think he is better than Austin Sindrick. If you put Chase Briscoe in Penske equipment, I think he'd shine uh, with some seasoning and be more along the lines of uh, a Logano or a Blaney type than. I don't think Austin Sindrick will ever be a Logano or a Blaney type. Um, I just don't see him winning like those guys do. And even give him a few years, I don't think he'll be winning as much as those guys do. And, and to be fair, Blaney didn't win this year. And. Has only had one year where he's won more than one race, but I think honestly, I think a lot of it is a little bit of bad luck on Blaney's part, and maybe just a little bit of uh, being too much of a, a team player. But I think Blaney he could have a year where he wins six or seven races if he really wanted to do that.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Him and like him and Christopher Bell are definitely two guys that we could definitely see the breakout breakout next year. One more guy I want to throw into that mix. And it, it has to do with the crew chief change, Alex Bowman, mm-hmm. Blake Harris coming over from Michael McDowell's team. We we if you look at what Blake Harris has done on the teams that he has he has out like if you if you look at crew chief performance, he's outperformed significantly. Now he's going to a Hendrick car. I think Alex Bowman could slot himself in as I don't think he can get to number two at Hendrick, but. It might be close. I think he might. I, I, I think Alex Bowman could have a really good year next year. And that's, an, and Kyle Larson, you know, speaking of Hendrick and going through all them, Kyle Larson's another guy. Like, I don't want to call this year a down year from him, but I don't know what to expect now for, for him going into 2023. And maybe it's just, you know, he had such a good 2021 and now a disappointing 2022. And we say disappointing, but Still had this third most or fourth most t- top tens this year. He had the second most top fives, more than Chase Elliott, more than Christopher Bell. You know, Kyle Larson really didn't have. he We just didn't see the dominating performance out of Larson yeah. that that we come to expect.
1: Finished third in the Owners Championship.
0: Yeah, who won the Owners Championship, by the way?
1: I mean, Logano won it because. Oh, he did. Yeah. The only difference in the owner's championship was Elliott versus Larson, take out Elliott, add in Larson.
0: Oh, okay. So, yeah, I showed how much attention I was paying to that.
1: Yeah. It's just by car number. And since, uh, Elliott, Chastain, and Bell and Eldos Al, were all there the whole year, everybody was there the whole year up in the top, whatever. The issue was because Kurt Busch gave up his playoff spot, um, while having that win or whatever, that win still got them in on the owner's championship. So Blaney actually wasn't even in the playoffs for the owners because Truex was out, but Blaney was also out because you slot Kurt Busch's team in over that. And so then uh, in the first round, uh, it was, it, it was basically like, okay, well, Bubba's team ended up advancing to the second round but then because Bubba's team um, didn't advance to the round of four or whatever uh, Larson's team was able to advance the round of four without a win like they were they pointed their way in over Bubba's team whereas they were without Bubba's team um, there was another team ahead of them from that was actually in the playoffs on car stuff so like weird situation that would like only happen because of this wackiness of this year but um Larson ended up essentially just getting into the owner's championship instead of uh, Chase Elliott. So Larson made the final eight in owner's championship. Then he won in the round of eight. So that put him into the final four, which bumped somebody out from the final four. And it happened to be Chase Elliott that got bumped out uh, because Ross Jastain pulled that crazy move to tie Chase Elliott exactly on points after Martinsville. And Ch- Chastain held the tiebreaker over Elliott, so Elliott got bumped out as the last guy out from the owners' points because Larson had to, had the win there. So it's just a weird mm. stuff, but um, but yeah. I mean, Larson he he didn't have the Larson of last year, but he still finished third in the championship in a particular kind of championship, which is actually almost more the true championship because it is the championship where Kurt Busch's car would have been in the playoffs. You know. Um, right so it's almost the more true championship now obviously i I think it would be a weaker championship because blaney got bumped out of that one but uh at the same time you know he still had a good year but you're right and i think the thing with alex bowman and uh you mentioned blake harris here blake harris like you said with michael mcdowell but also blake harris was and and we've talked about this before but just as a refresher he moved to Furniture row racing in 2010 And uh, so 2006, he joined Everham Motorsports. 2010, he moved to Furniture Racing, became car chief in 2013 and uh, beyond for Kurt Busch and Martin Truex Jr. Truex went on to win the championship in 2017. So he was car chief for Truex, champion Truex, at Furniture Row Racing. Then he followed... Truex to Gibbs in 2019 and then stayed there until he went to front row this past season as crew chief uh, for Michael McDowell. So the guy has been just basically a nonstop winner throughout his NASCAR career, whether he's crew chief, car chief, or, or what, uh, whether it was Furniture Row, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, Hen- uh, Everham, and and now he's going to go to Hendrick. I think you're absolutely right. And you saw the big difference he made with in one year. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Bowman and Blake Karras will get multiple years together, what they will do, not only in 2023, but maybe 24 or 25 would be very interesting if they stay as a tandem through that long.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely something to keep an eye on there. And, you know, the stuff that a lot of people don't really think about is, is the effect these crew chiefs have, like, Talk about it a lot with Chase Elliott. Alan Gustafson, I think, costs him one or two races every single year, one or two wins, just because Alan Gustafson's an idiot. So, um,
1: I think he cost him <clears> one at <throat> Phoenix. I mean, we actually we haven't even talked about that enough. But Gustafson, and I don't think it was a huge mistake, but they made that call to pit uh, because he yeah. was going to run short on fuel. So they made that call to pit really early <clears> instead <throat> of just, you know, playing the fuel game and. Elliott didn't get even back up to Bell or Chastain. I think he got right behind them. And that's partially why he ended up restarting just in front of Chastain later in the race and having that issue. So if he had just gone the the, the route of, of Joey Logano and just saved gas, because Logano started falling back on that stint because he needed to save gas, he would have been right where Logano was, several spots ahead of Chastain or Bell potentially. So it's just one of those calls where it probably didn't, necessarily matter, but it might have mattered in the margins a little bit. I
0: don't know. hmm Yeah. I, I remember it it wasn't egregious enough for me to be like, yeah. Gustafson exactly. just Gustafson, But at the same time, it wasn't a good call. And obviously hindsight is 2020, but it, it no matter how you spin that, it it wasn't a good call. Um one organization that we haven't talked about, you know, heading into twenty twenty three and our expectations, Roush Fenway Keslowski. What do you think they're going to do? Going to have Busher and Keselowski in in the cars again? Uh, Busher's 29, 30 years old. Keselowski's – I don't even know how old Keselowski is.
1: Coming up on uh, 39, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's 38 right now. He'll be 39 right when the Daytona 500 hits.
0: They did, you know, 2022, they. I think they made some some pretty impressive gains. Obviously they got that win at, at Bristol. Uh made some impressive gains at road courses. We were talking about Roush at every single road course after after the first couple. Um you know, is that an organization to keep an eye on heading into next year or or what do you think there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the continuity definitely helps. Uh I think there's no doubt about that. And the team I, one of the big benefits of them not making the playoffs was They get to try shit, right? Yep. And they stated they were going to do that. Um, They explicitly said they are going to be trying shit. They're going to be throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. And we saw it in the playoffs. They had some good races and they had some stinker races. And that's part of trying things. And I think that experimentation may help them going into next year. Uh, I certainly think they got better as an organization as the year went on for sure. And if that keeps up, I think that's a good trajectory. I don't think there are going to be a team that, you know, is pointing their way into the playoffs, but I think they're going to be a team. Maybe they could point their way into the very back of the playoffs, but uh, they're going to have to hope for a lot fewer wins this year from people outside the playoffs than last year, than this year. But uh, I think they're might they might be the ones that could sneak a win earlier in the season next year to get into the playoffs. Um, But I think they'll be right on the borderline. I I think Christopher Buescher is a really good driver. He just is so consistent in – but his upside is really limited. I think I would love to see more from him in terms of just being aggressive because he's one of those – Yes, he reminds me of just like a butter-smooth driver that we've seen from some of these other guys. Uh, You know, I think of maybe – like a TrueX, who's just really smooth, but in lesser equipment than a TrueX, whereas True isn't like super aggressive. I think Christopher Busher is kind of in the True X mold where he's less aggressive, more smooth. Uh and you know, if he was in better equipment, I think Chris Busher would be a playoff driver, but he just doesn't have that killer aggressiveness to make top tens when they are top fifteens, or make top fives out of top tens. You know what I mean? So, uh, As much as I'd love to say like they'll be, you know, flying through the roof here, I think they've got two drivers that are kind of limited. Kazowski's getting older and has downgraded from Penske to RFK. And Busher just is limited on his upside overall. So I think they're gonna be limited on their upside, but that doesn't mean they can't win a race. Busher won a race this year. Uh, I think they're throwing things out to see what sticks, and I think there will be improvement. But I think it's gonna be improvement towards we might be Getting close to pointing our way into the playoffs instead of needing to pray for a win to get in the playoffs, but they'll probably still be on that bubble situation where they'll feel like they need a win anyway to feel safe. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Busher's one of those guys. You know, at Daytona, Talladega. If he's running third in the last lap, he's not going to make the move. He never has. He's going to be fine with. He's going to be fine with finishing third. And when you have that mentality at Daytona and Talladega, and it carries on to other races, you just it. it I can't think of any good comparison drivers that just they just lack the the dry, or not the drive but the uh not aggressiveness just i can't think of a, of a good term here it, yeah you're right. some drivers just don't have it like it's they're they're too vanilla and they're too okay with they don't want to mess anything up um yeah i i can't even think of any other like big drivers that are like that right i wanted to say william byron but he doesn't quite fit that mold, but I don't see William Byron as a super aggressive guy either.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and like Trix was kind of the best one I could think of. And he's still even a little more aggressive than that. I almost yeah. think of somebody like Eric Almirola, um younger Eric Almarolo on better Stuart Haas racing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. That kind of thing where he just doesn't have that killer mentality. Uh, he's just more of what about a, like
0: a Mark Martin.
1: Mark Martin, in terms of like top tier drivers, yes, I would say so. Um, No, don't get me wrong. Mark Martin could win a whole bunch of races, but he also had best of the best equipment there. Um, But yeah, just there's something about that killer instinct that certain drivers just don't have. Uh, And I think it's not that Busher doesn't have the killer instinct, but. He certainly doesn't have it as much as a lot of these other guys. And in the end, if your Killer Instinct is at a six and everybody else is at a nine or a ten, they're going to out Killer Instinct you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Switching over to Random Fantasy Racing quick. Congratulations on another top ten in the Influencer Cup. Eighth place finish. I'm going to guess that you did your little slack thing that you said you were going to do. Nope, or did you I, not? I didn't even do it. No? I only
1: said I was going to do it if I was in danger. But I did, you know, I tweeted out, um, you know, last call for random fantasy, make sure to make your pick here. And guess who retweeted it? None other than Steve Luvender. And I found out it's Steve Luvender, not Lovender. Steve Luvender. Luvender? Luvender, yeah. He he, I, he tweeted a video out like a day or two ago, and, or maybe today. And he says, it's Steve Luvender. And I was like, fuck, I've been saying it wrong this whole time. <laughs> um, Yeah, yesterday, November 7th, um, he tweeted a video. It's Steve Luvender. So anyway, Steve Luvender himself retweeted my tweet. So I gained about seven or eight just from that. And I was still in eighth place at that point. But I gained another few places because of that uh, retweet from Steve. So that was was fortunate. But in the end, we didn't have anything to worry about. Uh, Cassie did not end up gaining any after midweek anyway. Uh, And she was in 11th place. So that was, you know. If I was going to fall back, it would have mean Cassie and Seth Eggert and Knocked LC would have all had to pass me. Knocked LC technically would have had to pass me, would have passed me because I think I started the week with 341, but Seth Eggert and Cassie never ended up uh, passing 341, so I was safe anyway. So I didn't end up throwing it in my action slack, but did get the Steve Louvinder Random Fantasy uh, top <laughs> 10 there.
0: Nice. I ended up 31st in the Influencer Cup, so very Cody Ware-esque of me there. Corey but finished 31st yeah. in the standings. <laughs> um, as far as overall standings, I ended up I, – I didn't I, – I said I wanted to, like, gain a spot or lose 10. I ended up 735th, but I was back 369 points from the leader, so I'm going to take that – as a win this season.
1: Yeah, you were close Aber- to uh, six hundred and ninety total points as well. You were only at six eighty one.
0: Yeah. I I capped the season off with a solid two points from Keslowski there at Phoenix.
1: Nice. Two points. That's massive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, looking at you, 196th overall. Is bad. this your best season? best season ever in, in random fantasy it is. racing? It is. You get. You look at that. You get your first win, and all of a sudden your average finish, 16.6, 13 top 10s.
1: Yeah. Um, last year I had, in all 36 races, I had 565 points. This year I had 819. So a monstrous gain. Uh, more than a 50% gain in points versus last year. So, uh, Or about exactly 50%, I'll say. Let me pull out the calculator. I was trying to do the math in my head. 819 divided by 565. 45% gain in points this year for me.
0: Pretty solid. Something to keep an eye on next season.
1: Best average finish of my career, 16.6. 13 top 10s in 36 races. So not too bad there. Um, Five top fives in the one win. With, of course, it being Alex Bowman at Las Vegas, my hometown race. It's funny. I actually had Bowman, or the 48 car, I should say, at both Las Vegas races. Uh, I think it was Gregson in the other Las Vegas race, of course. And he finished 11th, which I think is a career high for Noah Gregson. Uh, He had that fifth at Daytona. It's a non-Super Speedway career high for Noah Gregson. So... I'm good luck at Las Vegas with the 48.
0: (laughs) Apparently. Um, Looking at the worst random fantasy racing participants this year, Cam Daddy Caves ended up winning the Racing Underdog Cup 565 points by four points over Blake Boss 14. The difference came down to the Phoenix race. um, Because I think Blake was leading as the worst heading into – Phoenix. He ended up with uh Hamlin, who finished eighth, 29 points. <clears throat> Cam Daddy had Suarez, who finished 24th, had 13 points. <clears throat> excuse me. To get that win by four points as the worst r- random fantasy racing um, now, participant this, is this interesting.
1: season. Cam Daddy Caves had 565 points and was the worst. Didn't I just say I had 565 points last year? I yeah. That's Yes, you did. That's <laughs> amazing. Uh
0: you, if this you <laughs> last
1: year I would have won the ch- the title. Uh That's awesome. I I you know, instead I uh only finished I'm going back to 2021 standings influencer cup not influencer. Uh I need to go to the 2021 underdog cup standings. What did I finish last year? Finished sixth last year. So my 565 points last year that I scored would have won me the Influencer Cup this year. That's how unlucky I am. I can't even get unlucky with my (laughs) unlucky. I can't even get lucky with my (laughs) unluckiness.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome.
1: Hmm. It's all good, though. I made some money this year, so it works out.
0: You know what's funny is the guy that, that won the, the underdog cup last year by a, a wide margin did not pick a single driver this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, it was <clears throat> Matt D fan 21, so maybe he just gave up after Benedetto gave up.
1: Yeah. Still mad that DiBenedetto won that super speedway race, but it was the right call. There yeah. was a big crash coming to line and yellow flag and whatnot. And, you know, they threw it like five feet before the line, the, the caution. And, uh, Benedetto did not cross the line first, but the five feet earlier, uh, he was in the lead when the caution came out. <laughs> yeah. A wild one there in the, uh, in the truck series. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that was a uh, hell of a year. did, how did our Did we do any predictions did we give our prediction prediction order or anything like that
0: for the championship yeah yeah so i went elliot logano bell chastain which was ended up being four one three two you went bell elliot logano chastain which ended up being three four one two so
1: we both kind of missed per,
0: <laughs> yeah we both like yeah um as far as our winning picks this year, you, I, I didn't track it before Nashville because I couldn't find it in those previous episodes. So since Road America and through Phoenix, average finish wise, uh, you were at 13.89. I was at 9.00. I did not pick a single winner <laughs> outside of Chase Elliott at Pocono, but he only won because Hamlin and Kyle Bush got DQ'd. You picked winners at Road America and Watkins Glen, and then you also had Kyle Busch at Pocono. That I gave you credit for a second place finish there. So yeah, yeah. that's where we ended up on our predicted winners. Nice, not bad. I'll take I'll take an average finish in nine point oh with you know absolute winner predictions.
1: Yeah, no doubt. That's it's pretty solid. I feel like uh, like I said, I feel like that mid to early playoff portion of the year was just we were on point um it was that point of the year where uh we had enough data to make very well informed decisions we were starting to hit some of these tracks twice or or at least if we're not hitting another track twice if it's a new one we still had enough comps to it that we were able to make really good decisions but the books were still underrating some of these guys that just hadn't quite gotten a win yet because the win draws all the attention right like the win draws The book's attention oh god this guy was 125 to one now we need to make him 50 to one the next race instead or 40 to one uh so we were in that just zone there from like road america when reddick won the road course uh all the way through bristol let's say that first round of the playoffs really um where those guys you know what's funny what's up
0: so as you were talking about that, I I was highlighting my best stretch of DFS, and it went from Atlanta two, which was right after Road right. America, to Bristol, which yeah. uh, over that span I was plus twelve thousand yeah. in DFS. So yes, without a <laughs> doubt, that is the point of the season that we were both on point the most.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's just a good part of the year. Um, and and that's the thing I you know I was always a I shouldn't say always I'm very much am into head to head betting um, betting driver matchups and I'm still that way. It just so happened like this year, 2019 and this year were like very good outright years and then other years I think last year, two years ago especially were really good matchup betting years for me. So it all just depends on how the year shakes out I think as we learn more about the car and as we learn, more about things um as teams learn more about the car results get more predictable and then you're gonna have to start going to uh head to heads more to find your edge maybe then outrights to find your edge i mean there will always be edge and outrights just because um it's hard for books to price those right but i think it's a lot more predictable to squeeze edge out of matchups as we know more about this car and as teams know more about this car because they start to separate themselves and so you'll be able to find some some much more predictable results like model predictable and that'll give you some some edge there but it may be a while before we know enough about this car because there'll be changes in the off season like we said this car itself still produces wild shit even at the end of the year as far as uh, just random shit that happens so I certainly don't think results will be as predictable as they were at the end of the Gen Six era, uh, and so I think we've got several good years ahead of us in outright betting, top manufacturer betting, top ten, top five, etc. Type of betting.
0: Hmm. That's one. That's my goal. One of my goals for 2023 is to do more head-to-head betting because it's just something that I I really never do it. And I think I can I can be pretty good at it. Um, I know people when I was when I was publishing more content and um, my predicted finishing order. You know, people would constantly be DMing me and be like, "Dude, you're hitting all these head to heads like at a great rate." And I'm like, "I just never bet them because I never think about it." You know, yeah. so that's definitely one of the one of the things I want to um, look into more in 2023. And I don't I honestly don't know. How involved? I I haven't decided how involved I'm going to be in NASCAR. You know, obviously I took a big step back this season. Yep. Um, didn't didn't run any of my games. Only did content. I'd say for half the year. Um, I don't know yet what I'm going to do. Right. It depends. I, I'm kind of. It's definitely in my head of of making a big comeback and and going, you know, all in again you know, mm-hmm. on NASCAR in 2023. But I don't know. I I enjoyed. I I told you multiple times throughout this year. I enjoyed so much. Being able to go out and just enjoy and watch the race and and sit at a bar on a Sunday, you know, and and not have to worry about all this this racing crap. But at the same time, like, I spent so many years uh, of this sport just controlling my life, and I I kind of miss it. You know, yeah, exactly. exactly. So yeah, but uh,
1: I, I mean, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like. I mean, you know, I, I was in flux this past off season. I didn't know what I was doing. And then luckily got mm-hmm. hired by Action Network. Uh, I mean, you and I were talking of maybe just partnering. And, like, it's always in flux. And uh, life just takes you where life takes you. So it's hard to even three out three months out to plan what, what the plan is, you know. Uh, but all I know is I'm going to be – I wouldn't say revamping my model. I mean, my model is my model, but I am going to continue to improve it. Uh, I'm always thinking of ways to better improve this model. And I've got several good ideas for this coming year. So I think uh, y'all can look forward to an even better model for next year. And hopefully now that I have a, uh, a full off season of knowing what I'm going to be doing next year. I mean, unless I get fired from action network, I don't foresee that happening. Uh, I know what I will be doing next year. So it gives me a full off season to plan what to do with my content, with my model, how to improve the model. Uh, if I should improve it, should I, should I even invest improvements? Because this you know, past off season, if I didn't know what I was doing, I was like, do I need to invest crazy improvements to draw new people? Or, or am I not going to put in the time and effort and it's not worth making all these improvements? Well, now I know exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, or what I'm going to be doing next year. So it gives me a really good reason to want to improve the model more. But also one of my big pain point problems is automating everything. Um, As far as like, you know, practice and qualifying happens, then you got to update the data, then you got to run the model, then you got to get it uploaded. I still do too much of that manually. I've definitely cut down on how much of that I do manually. But uh, so I think I'm going to, Focus most of my off-season improvement on automating a lot of that. Now that I know what I'm going to be doing, uh, but there's also still going to be tweaks to actually improve the quality of the model as well. I mean, I think my Cup Series model is top of the line. Period. I mean, I I literally have a PhD in math, and it's what I do for a living is model, uh, you know, model sports. Uh, it's what I was trained to do. It's what I love to do. So I've loved my whole life, but you can still always find ways to improve the model, and and that's why I love talking with people in the industry. Whether it's yourself, whether it's uh, Jim or Greg or or um, you know Garage Guys or anybody in the Garage Guy family, uh, things like that, because it always makes me think of new ways to view data, analyze data, think about things, and come up with new metrics to to put out there. So um, yeah. Just really looking forward to next year. Uh I I will enjoy the time off. I'm I'm actually currently working on a World Cup simulation model because the World Cup is later this month. It starts in like twelve days, I think. Uh and so I'm I've got through the group stages of building up my code for the World Cup simulation model. But once that's up and running, I mean that just that's a click and go. Um so once that's up and running, I can really focus my non NFL attention on NASCAR. So uh you know, I'll probably take time off through thanksgiving etc watch the world cup enjoy that and then get back on the nascar grind mhm uh, i don't know yeah, i am mean, sure, sure ryan for my fantasy race i forgot to shout him out by the way him as well i'm sure he's already got like half <laughs> he's of already working on 20 yeah. he's
0: on 2024 <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's already got <laughs> half of next year's content like finalized and planning 2024 <laughs> dude's yeah. impressive he's impressive. <laughs> he's a machine like yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that. Like I'm, I'm such a a procrastinator and and last second stuff. And man, he's, and it's all like, yeah, I use a lot of his stuff. It's, it's definitely like a lot of his reports are, are great. And plus the site overall, is just a good place to go and get data. Definitely recommend that site uh, for sure. But, but yeah, as far as 2023 goes, as of now, I know we're both coming back to do this show next year. We're going to take a little break, but Come back and and do it again, and hopefully get some more people along the way. I know I think viewership or not viewership, but listener numbers this year doubled compared to last year, and that's not even that was even before the 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 millionaire parlay that kind of you know got more people listening. So thank you to everybody who listens to this show, especially on a week to week basis, um, follows us on Twitter, engages with us. That's that's another thing about this whole NASCAR community is just all the, all the people in here, um, you know, doing their thing, a lot of successful people in here, a lot of people, like you said, there's so many different ways to look at all this data and analyze it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm the best. I'm not going to sit here and say, you're the best as much as I want to. Like, there are always yep. other opinions and there's other bets that you can make. And there, there are certain weeks that, that everybody's on the same bets and there's certain weeks that, almost everybody has a different mindset and where they're going. And you know what, at the end of the year, I'm pretty sure every single expert in the action network and of people that I personally follow and respect in this industry had a great year. So, you know, I was just talking with a friend of mine today on the phone. He's like, yeah, I was talking, I was talking to you. He he was talking to some guy that that's big in MMA betting and big in MMA DFS. And he brought me up from the NASCAR, um, or like he said, you know, like my buddy does does NASCAR with all that. And he's like, that's a weird sport to bet on. And he's like, you know what? If it makes you money, that's what I always tell people. That's, that's what I've always told people, you know, NASCAR DFS has made me enough money over the years that I will continue to play it and I will continue to bet it because you know what? I've had one losing year in. I've been doing full-time DFS for uh six years now i've had one losing year i I lost a couple grand in i think it was like 2019 or something but last two years have been my best dfs years ever and i'm there's no reason for me to stop right like,
1: exactly yeah until i lose yeah, we'll my stop. edge <laughs> until if you keep winning why stop
0: yeah so yeah we'll see what we'll see what 2023 brings i think i think it's going to be a a great season I'm looking for I always look forward to, to doing stacking Denny's with you every week and oh yeah We'll hopefully you know continue to give people great and entertaining content I think I think we do our best to to do more than just these are good bets you know we're also yeah, exactly. we have yeah. a personality unlike Chase Elliott
1: <laughs> exactly I think uh, I mean you know, we obviously started off with like a betting and DFS focus, but now it's—I would definitely say our show has turned into news and notes. Um, you know, entertaining things like the fantasy standings, uh, year-long picks, or whatever. Just NASCAR gossip, talking about the betting community—not not separating gossip from the betting community, like NASCAR gossip itself, talking about the betting community itself, like what people are, you know, on who's seeing what out there. Just all sorts of cool stuff, and uh, I think we're going to continue to evolve this podcast in many different ways. I mean, I know you, you messaged me about something a week or two ago. We had a good chuckle about uh, certain things, so hopefully that can come to fruition, and I'm sure we'll keep uh, evolving this podcast to, to make it better for everyone.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Ooh, I'm losing my voice, so yeah. with that, I think we're going to sign off for the 2022 season. And we'll be back. We got to in... do our predictions. This oh, what be the we're predictions? Twenty-three cup champion. Oh boy, man, you're putting me on the spot. Um, I don't want to say Chase Elliott because that's what my that's what my gut's saying. Um, give me. Man, this is tough. Give me. uh Give me Christopher Bell. Twenty twenty three Cup Series champion.
1: I don't hate it. I'm gonna go with your boy on the same team, James Dennis, Allen Hamlin. I left you speechless. He's
0: (laughs) You did. You you left me speechless. Because how old is he
1: in the standings this year? He is fifth forty one. Just that's the first early. time
0: First time since 2018 he didn't make the Final Four.
1: No, I'm sorry. He's about to turn 42. Uh, that might be a bad pick, but I don't
0: care. Yeah, you got to roll with it, all- especially now.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm rolling with it. Uh, it's, it's the first time in a while he hasn't made the Final Four, but he still finished fifth, and he also finished fifth after having a horrendous start to the year. I think some of it was
0: – Oh, that's an understatement.
1: Some of it was equipment stuff. Some of it was getting used to the car. Some of it was JGR not being up to speed. Some of it was a couple mistakes he made. But that last half of the year is actually really good. If you look from Michigan on, which is race 23 to race 36, he only had three finishes outside the top 10. Hmm. Pretty solid.
0: Quite the opposite of Chase Elliott. He had a god-awful playoffs. Mm-hmm. He only had two single-digit finishes. One of them was the win at Talladega, and the other one was uh, – I don't even remember where. But just awful, awful playoffs. Compl- I, I would put that as a collapse of that team, to be honest with you.
1: I agree. I agree. I think that team collapsed.
0: You remember in the middle of summer when he was first, second, first, second, first, second every single week? hmm And then just – did not show, and it wasn't, like, obviously he had some bad luck in the playoffs, but there were other weeks he just didn't have speed. Yeah. That was, I don't know what they that is. They were slow as
1: shit at Las Vegas and Homestead to start that final round, of, uh, non-championship round of the playoffs, the round of eight there.
0: You know what? what's going to be my campaign next year? Blake Harris for Chase Elliott's crew chief.
1: Oh, my God. If they put those together, that would be insane.
0: Just anyone other than, than Gustafson. Yeah,
1: I agree with that. That might be the... I, honestly, Blake Harris, Chase Elliott could be the Jimmy Johnson, uh, Greg Ives or whatever. No, Chad Knauss, not Greg Ives. J- the Jimmy Johnson, Chad Knauss pairing that we haven't had since then.
0: Yeah. Or the Kevin Harvick, Rodney Childers too. Like that, That's Harvick, another solid Harvick pairing Childers. that I always think of. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. But yeah, next race, Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum Sunday, February fifth, which means we will be talking about it at the end of January. <laughs> that's crazy, and it's that's gonna be here before we know it. And that's one thing about NASCAR is we 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 get the a very short off season. But I don't know, I kind of like it. It's it's enough of a break.
1: It, oh, it's a, like, it's enough of a break. You start to miss it, and you're you're refreshed and ready to go.
0: Yeah. Other sports, you Plus know, the three the months the off. Holidays,
1: that- like they take a long time. Like, there's just like so much going on with the holidays, with Thanksgiving and then Christmas and New Year and family this and uh, the other things that it, it actually feels a lot longer than it actually is. Uh, whereas, mm-hmm. like, you know, summer break when you're in school feels like it goes by like that. So, I, I feel like this break takes a lot longer than summer break when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. That's just a good, good, nice little break, and then you know get back. Get back to plus the- Daytona Daytona 500. You gotta assume we're gonna get another millie maker, huh?
1: I hope so. I'm gonna win this one.
0: <laughs> I know you're definitely gonna try, oh, yeah. but yeah. So what is it? We'll, we'll talk to everybody in two two months and a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Enjoy your off season, everybody. Hopefully you, you learned something from us. Hopefully you had a good season as well. I know awesome. we both did. So
1: have a great off season. Enjoy your
0: new year, everyone. Yep. See you guys.